welcome back. Hello, welcome back to another episode. Um, yeah, this is uh, the Russians. The Russians. Yeah. I I still it's funny every time I say it I feel like okay I am a, a Russian or the Russian, and you are the person who pretends to be. Yeah, <laughs> Ruski. <laughs> um, you basically attached yourself to my credibility. <laughs> to half of yeah, you're like yeah, at least at least yeah exactly. Well, you know I gotta get credibility wherever I can. You know it's my I've been I'm, I have a credibility deficit. So everyone I just I'm trying to like attach myself to all the to the to the bad to the bad genes of this world. You know the Russian genes, right? The the genes that are responsible for all of the problems in the, <laughs> the, bad in the universe. Yeah, right. Asiatic genes. At least I'm half Russian. You're not even Russian. Well, you know, it's a tricky thing because the Russian is a nationality, right? No, no, no. Uh, it's it's in English, actually. I've been thinking about it. It's very hard to translate because yes. um, there is a nationality that doesn't matter if you're ethnically, like, whatever, Ukrainian or Kyrgyz, yeah. you can't be a Russian. But it's like, in Russian, it makes sense because there's a word, Russianian. Yes. But then there's a word, Russian, which is, in English, I guess, again, the same, but it's like, Ruski. Oh, no, no, no. In English, I know how to translate. So there's nationality. It's basically a Russian citizen, a Russian. Yes. And then when you say Russian, you actually mean ethnicity of those who are basically like dominant But Russians. it's weird because I feel like in America or in the West, they will call it like Slavic people, you know, Russians. Oh, that's what they say. I mean, it's... Okay, I'm half Slav. Yeah, you like half that? Slav, yeah. Okay, so we should accurate? call the Slavs? That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> We should rename it called the Slavs. Wait, That's should, <laughs> yeah, but then it's like not even true. I'm half and you're not at all. So how much of the Slav is here? Well, I mean, you know, look, uh, the title of a, the podcast is, doesn't have to reflect. Uh, it doesn't have to reflect reality? Full, full reality. I mean, but... It, I mean, is it more attractive to the listeners? It's weird. It's, it's kind of interesting sounding. The Slavs. Like, the Slavs, yeah. Well, like yeah, I mean, slaves. The, the slaves. Well, that's the origins of the word, you I know mean, according what? to some theories. Anyone yeah. who is listening, uh, send us a note. Do you think the Slavs is a podcast name would be more alluring? We, we have like a, a, a pretty interesting. Uh, we we like to switch out the, the name of our podcast about every, once every seven to eight months. You know? <laughs> and you like uh, changing your Substack newsletter name also every like yeah. six months. Uh, we clearly uh, are projecting our sense of stability, you know. And, we and, also and like moving uh, cities or even countries every, every, every year. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We, we, if we lived in a different world, like we're a pre-internet world, pre-digital world, we could have. Sorry. We would have been able to stop kicking the children's toys. Uh, we would have been. We would have been able to like also switch identities completely. You know, because back in the day, people used to do that. You could like move to a new town and completely assume a whole new identity, like you, new name and everything. New name, new what history. About documents. Well, they didn't have documents. They didn't mm. follow you around. <laughs> you know. Okay, but what what good it would have Just, done us? Like, well, I feel like we would have been those people. You know, probably running out, okay. running out on debts and, and things like that, and <laughs> un, unpaid rent. And Imagine I would have by now already 10 wigs because I moved so much. So I would be always like a new lady. <laughs> but these days we just have to change our podcast name all the time. You know? <laughs> no, the Slavs, yes. Yeah, so the Russian, so actually it fits because, you know, I was, I was a citizen. I was, a, I was, you know, part of the Russian Socialist Federation, Russian Socialist Republic. Republic. So, so the Slavs wouldn't fit. But it's funny, speaking of the name, I, I wonder, I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I know there used to be a project, I don't know if it still exists, by a guy, I can't remember where he was based, maybe in Europe, but he definitely uh, would like live in Moscow for a little bit, and he started this project, Slavs and Tatars. 
Have you heard about it? No, I haven't heard about it at all. I have to read it because it's way too funny. Uh, Wikipedia page. Slavs and Tatars is an art collective and a faction of polemics and intimacies devoted to an area east of the former Berlin Wall and west of the Great Wall of China known as Eurasia. Interesting. <laughs> That's the name. That's pretty good. Yeah, I found it in 2006. So is it, is it the, are they still active? Uh, I, I I think it still exists. I don't know how active is it, 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 it actually is, but I know they had like some exhibits at Tate Modern oh, wow. in Moscow and like New York and Pompidou. They, were, they kind of were connected to the art world. Got it. I mean, it's funny, you know, yeah, the the, the, the Asian thing, it's like, if you read, I was just reading the mm-hmm. Brzezinski's book, you know, um, the grand chess, the grand chess board. <laughs> the one Posner recommended? And yeah, exactly. And he, and it's just all he talks about is how, what America needs to do in order to prevent a rival power from emerging in Eurasia. I mean, that's, that's basically the only, uh, that's the main objective of America of, is it for an empire, you know, uh, the empire that is America. Its main like geopolitical objective is to prevent the emergence of a rival power in Eurasia. I mean, that's and that's just a whole book about what needs to be done, what'll happen if 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 it fails, what are some of the like strategies that can be used, you know, what are some of the problems, you know, how do you how you, how do you manage Russia without it getting pissed off? How do you manage China without it getting pissed off? How do you do make sure that they don't combine together in a single union, <laughs> which is kind of what is happening right now. Yeah, um, but it's funny. Yeah, the Eurasian threat. It's funny because like the moment liberals hear about that stuff, they somehow can't yeah. take it. The fact that it exists here, that it's you mean not the like liberals? yeah, yeah, the Russian liberals can't. The Russian opposition kind of yeah. Yeah, types. which I don't know. It's not like they argue with the facts. I imagine because yeah. it's not about the facts. I think they think it just doesn't. Yeah. It's like it's ridiculous. I don't know, but it, is it? It's not that ridiculous if it exists as a text. I mean, it's just as it's, an it's, idea. You you see it. It's like it's 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 pretty obvious. It's superficial, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, it's like, speaking of the whole Russian thing, I don't know. Not that we're trying to get um, more topical. Today's episode is about um, uh, that new Laura Porteous film about uh, the Sackler family and Nan Golding's fight against them called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. It won, I think, mm-hmm. Golden Lion in Venice and it's celebrated as, I think it was nominated for Oscar again, but mm-hmm. it lost to Navalny. I, I, I think if, I, if I'm if not I mistaken. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's like celebrated as like this really great documentary. But besides that, I think, why not be more topical if with the Russians we kind of yeah. know what's going on. I feel like the thing that happened in the last few days that it's like... I keep thinking about and the most kind of fun thing coming out of the overall mundane and just tragic and kind of also some just annoying news cycle of the war and everything was this um, phone conversation. Basically, it was um, hacked or intercepted by, I don't know, official version is like Ukrainian hackers. But uh, the conversation was released. Um, it's like a half hour conversation between uh, one of the top music uh, producers, um, Russian music producers, who is, I think, still based in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's talking to um, formerly, um, still an oligarch, I think a billionaire, actually, Azerbaijani uh, billionaire. But He's like ethnically Azerbaijanian, but I would call him like a Russian billionaire. He was a member of the and he, and he was a member of the Duma, uh, right? It's important, or no? Farhat Ahmedov. Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure. I think he wasn't close to Putin in like more than a decade. He was fairly close to Berezovsky and, and all this like early oligarchy. And he made his wealth um, in one of the... Um, I can't remember which of the natural resources at all. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. But basically, one mm-hmm. of the natural Russian resources that got privatized and siphoned to one of those people. Um, and one of those people was 
basically him. Anyway, this conversation was intercepted and released for everyone to uh, to hear. And in a way, they didn't talk about anything that weird. And most people in the kind of like Russian elite or even close to the government, maybe not the government themselves, but just like rich people agree with that general message, which is basically the worst horrible. Um, Putin personally uh, probably was kind of oblivious to exactly what's going on. Certain uh, warmongering generals were feeding him certain information that was flattering to his whatever like um, delusions of grandeur and certain ambitions and yes they probably wanted to do something fast no one knew because they didn't know all these mm-hmm. super rich people who, who have definite connections close to the government now no one knew and then they did it and they told fuck ups and they can't accept the fact that they fucked up and just like retrieve and, and they didn't and they persist with the stuff and he says like innocent people dying and one, uh, I think the oligarch guy obviously has like many kids and young kids too, even though he's old and some Russian um, nannies working for him. Yeah. Like he says, like simple women and their kids are in the war because yeah. they have to be, you know, they're, they're really conscripted or something. Conscripted, yeah. And they're crying every day and they don't know what is this for and there's no reason why it should be going on. Yeah. And then they talk, you know, they sound like very upset. There's like, they're like a Russian businessmen, you know, like when they're talking privately, it's like, it's like very, very, yeah, um, very matter of fact. Yes, very straightforward. Say the producer, I just say the producer smart sounds a lot smarter actually and, and has a lot better kind of analysis because... But he's also is stayed in Russia for yes. all this year as well. Yeah. That guy retrieved for last uh, to yeah. either Azerbaijan or Europe or whatever. They have property and yachts everywhere, so they kind of not in one place before the sanctions. Anyway, and they, and, and one of the things they they said that that's very businesslike. They said, okay, this is all horror, and innocent people are dying, and we're fucked too. You know, like in terms yeah. of like the money, the sanctions. One of them, the oligarch, is already uh, the billionaire is sanctioned, and the music producer is not yet. Anyway, and they talk about okay, but at least. If he could win, maybe that would be something like yes. for the country because they see that there's a promise of the wind. Warm, yes. like people are kind of like uh, forced into believing into this Russian greatness that yeah. they fighting Nazis, Ukra- Ukrainian Nazis. But it says, but he looks like he can't. Like they yes. can't win. Like and they say how they start talking openly mm, about like the horrible corruption in the government. Everyone steals. How all the top government officials, like their kids, basically owners or which basically owners, even if they're just considered CEO of top industries yeah. they're they're kind of like live like pashas basically everyone yes. and they still and the army is not functional what they say so on the other side well they sound like kind of sympathetic to the plight and anti-war but they also say okay but they also can't at least I mean, if they practical. could they're, they're very practical. practical they're like okay but can the, I mean, I, can he win the war and they're like no yeah i mean i gotta say it's actually kind of interesting because what they in their own way they kind of they talk about the war in a lot of in a similar way that we've been talking about it right I mean, very similar i actually could it's so weird i could like I could have a conversation with them, and I think we would understand each other, even if we're clearly on very I mean, different ideological, yeah, whatever. I mean, so basically, it's kind of it actually kind of indicates a little bit. I mean, or confirms our own per- per- perspective on the war that we've been mm-hmm. we've had from the beginning. I mean, which is that like, you know, on the one hand, you just have um, basically just it's uh, yeah, like the, that like. It'd be one hand. It'd be it'd be one thing if he like could do it. If he like you know he was like blustering and he said, "I have the power now to stand up to the West, to stand up to NATO, and to show them you know like what a what a and like, take even three what days. A, what a powerful guy I am, so they don't fuck with me, you know. Uh, and, and he did it well. Then okay, then you know success has its own logic. Success has its right. own has yes. its own thing, and so like you can't argue with it, you know. So he did. You would do it, but he can't, and it's like he's getting mired in this stuff. 